This is Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the most listened to podcast for parents by parents. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the podcast talk show for parents. I'm J.R. Celeste, your host and publisher of Successful Black Parenting Media. I want you to tell all of your friends and followers about the show. After all, sharing is caring. Know that our hashtag for the show is hashtag backtalk. Now, I have a special guest for you guys today. It is Kimberly Morrow. Kimberly is the founder of Doris L. Morrow Academy in Los Angeles, my hometown. And she is the author of the book, Eight Pearls of Wisdom. Today, we are discussing teaching African-American history at home. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I am so happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. So tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do. Okay, so um, I am an educator first and foremost. I um, have been in the education profession for nearly 25 years. I've been a history teacher, um, a principal, and so currently I have founded my own school, just as you said, the Doris L. Morrow Academy. And we focus on homeschool education. So many parents, many particularly Black parents, are starting to move away from traditional public schools. And so my school actually supports those parents who want to homeschool, but are not sure about doing it alone. So I'm a graduate of Harvard Graduate School of Education, um, where I got a master's in um, teaching and curriculum. And I have a bachelor's degree in history from Morris Brown College in HBCU in Atlanta, Georgia. So that is a little bit about me. <laughs> Well, you are more than qualified to talk about this topic, so I'm very excited to have you here. Now, we are discussing, if you missed it in the top of the show, African-American history taught in the home. So, Kimberly, in your opinion, children are not learning about this subject at school? No. And if they are, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if they are, it's it's really sad and unfortunate because the times that his um, African-American history is taught is a couple of times. It's when we're talking about slavery. Um, and again, I know this because I was in the classroom and this is the way the um, curriculum is set up. This is the way the standards work. Um, the, it's discussed during slavery that's when you're first introduced to um, African-Americans. And so we recognize them as slaves. And then again, we see them during the 1960s, 1950s, 60s, when we're talking about the civil rights movement. Um, so it's a rare teacher who takes it upon himself to go outside of the framework and outside of the curriculum to bring in more African-American history. And there are those teachers out there, not just African-American teachers. There are other teachers that will do that. But those are so few and far between. It's not, um, it's, there's no type of consistency. So I can say that, no, it's, it's not being taught. <laughs> 
Okay, okay. So why is it imperative that Black children learn African-American history? Well, this is one of the things as history teachers, we often say, if you don't know, if you don't study history, you're doomed to repeat it. And so it's very important for everyone to know their history, which is why in history classes, we learn about European history. We always learn about what um, white Americans have done to build up this country. So it's equally as important for African-Americans to understand the contributions that we have had and we have made to this country. So that way, one, it instills confidence. And two, instead of constantly having to rebuild and and reinvent, we can start building upon a foundation. But if we're never taught about that foundation, then we're constantly starting over. So that's one of the, um, those are several reasons why it's very important for our our children to um, be taught African-American history. Well, which is American history. Absolutely, it sure is. Exactly, they like to, you know, um, say, well, that's, that's black history or that, no, it's history. It's American history. We have contributed just as much to, if not more, I will say more, um, to this country as any other um, group of people have contributed. So it's American history. Right, right. So let's get into this a little bit because you kind of touched on it. Isn't it important that all children, black, white, Latino, also learn about African-American history as well as their own because it is American history? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, As a classroom teacher, I would um, assign various units. And so if we were doing African-American history, let's say it's Black History Month, (laughs) because I felt (laughs) like that was a time when I could actually justify incorporating um, African-American history into the curriculum without getting a lot of backlash from my um, white parents because I I taught at a school that was predominantly white. And so when I would assign this project, um, if we were studying the Industrial Revolution, whatever time period we were studying, I would have the students um, research African-Americans who contributed to that particular time period. And I had one student who did his, um, on one of his relatives, and it was a white male student, and I said, oh, wow, is your um, great-grandfather African-American? And he said, no. I said, oh, okay. Because the assignment was to d- highlight an African-American, but that's very good information that you brought. And please save that information when we get to, and I listed off another unit. So I didn't um, dismiss the research that he had done. He was very excited. He was very excited about the contribution that his um, great-grandparent had made. But at the same time, I still held him to the standard of we are currently studying the contributions of African-Americans during this um, in, in this particular field. So, And he was fine with it. He was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and do that because I gave him an out. So it is, it's very important. And I had them telling me about people I had never heard of. (laughs) That's great. 
And I was like, are you teaching me information? And they were very excited. They were excited to learn that there was an African-American man who was responsible for the roller coaster um, and just various things that they learned. They were very excited to find that out. And um, so when people say, oh, they don't want to know, they do. They're, They're excited to learn. Students are excited to learn, regardless of what culture it is. Right. We're going to go back to that about when people say (laughs) they're this or they're that. We're going to come back to that one. But so on the flip side of these rare good teachers that will go outside of the lesson plan, outside of the standards to teach more, we have, and like you said, usually it's Black History Month or something of that sort in the schools, teachers who have gone off the rails and got it wrong, totally wrong. For example, Not too long ago in New York City, a middle school, a teacher literally walked on the backs of her black students to show them what, quote, slavery felt like. Okay, I don't know what her point was there or just we will even say it, (laughs) but if it was I, I really don't know. But even just earlier this year, a teacher in Wisconsin got in trouble for giving students an assignment that asked how they would punish a slave. And the question actually was, a slave said, you are not my master. How would you punish your slave? I, I can't figure out what in, the, in my life, like what would that teach a student? Um, in Philly, my own hometown, my birth home, more than one teacher, more than one, thought it was okay to give an assignment asking students to imagine they were enslaved people and required them to write a letter pleading not to be sold, right? To me, this is the equivalent of giving a Holocaust assignment and asking students to plead not to be gassed. It's so insensitive and to say to say the least insensitive. It is really insensitive. And on top of that, most of these slavery lessons always happen during such a sensitive month, such as Black History Month, when we're supposed to be teaching about the progress of Black Americans. What do you have to say about that? Well, as I process what you just said, because I actually had not um, been privy to any of that information. Um, It's appalling. And it just it really just goes to show that I used to I used to say this all the time, especially in staff meetings, just because you have knowledge and you have information doesn't mean that you should be teaching. There are just some people that to say it bluntly, and I've met many of them, I've had to evaluate them. They should not be teaching anyone's children, period. And so that was, that, those lessons were appalling. As you said, Black History Month, and if they go and they research why we celebrate Black History Month, the point Carter G. Woodson was making was to Um, spotlight or highlight and celebrate the accomplishments of so many African-Americans. It was never about um, looking at slavery. So the fact that you would use this opportunity to push the slavery narrative is just, it's just appalling. It's it's just appalling. And basically I really hope whoever was their administrator um, and whatever parents in that community, I hope that they um, either force that teacher to resign 
or or put that teacher on some type of administrative leave and that teacher is going through professional development so they have a better understanding as to how they should approach teaching history um, to um, all students. And I, I can guarantee you that those particular teachers don't know how to teach history to white students either. Right. Most, I, I, if I not can, all. I can pretty much guarantee <laughs> they don't they, they don't know. They they, right. they don't know how to teach. Well, I, I agree. And that's probably why most, if not all, were let go. Um, so, yeah, they, they're, I don't believe they're teaching in schools anymore. But that leads to the point that we need some sort of factual, age-appropriate curriculum for teaching things like racism and slavery. Um, because too many people get it wrong. So let's talk about CRT, which is critical race theory in schools. It's a hot topic right now. What is your opinion on that? Well, when they started talking about it and I saw that um, the persons that did the research and came up with the theory um, were from Harvard, I started really digging into it to see exactly what it was all about. And what I learned from it um, was that it, it was a course they were teaching at, at Harvard to show the um, systemic racism in the judicial system. And so, and to show that, you know, these, these clients who were going before the court system, they were already walking into a biased court system. And so when now all of this talk of critical race theory being taught in schools, um, one, that's, it's really a bunch of, it's a bunch of malarkey. It, it's, it's not being taught in public schools. And, um, it's just one of those triggers to get people afraid. Now we're, you know, oh my God, critical race theory, critical race theory. It's been taught for over 30 years in colleges, in law schools. But mm -hmm. as far as being taught in public schools, well, I wouldn't even want, I wouldn't even want public schools to take that on. And I'll tell you why, because they will have the same thing with those teachers who <laughs> attempted to teach black history Public schools, they get information. They don't prepare their teachers how to actually teach it because they're constantly trying to, okay, well, we're going to do this now. You know, it was the new science standards. It was Common Core. Everything that the schools get, they screw it up. They don't train their teachers how to do it. And then when the teachers are doing it wrong, it's like, oh, these teachers don't know what they're doing. Okay, because they're not properly trained. So I really hope that public schools don't try to take this on because they won't they won't train their teachers how to do it. The teachers will be ill prepared, just like they are with all of the other um, new things that school districts drop on them to do. And only a handful of teachers who will go above and beyond will get it right. And But that won't be across the board. And that's not fair. It's not fair to the students who will be in the classroom with the teachers who didn't get the training and didn't go above and beyond to receive the training. So I, I don't think it should be taught in schools. I'll tell you. Right. I, I, I'm, I see your point 100%. <laughs> and although there are a few outliers, um, the whole talk is that there seems to be a huge divide between white and black parents on this. Um, 
most black parents do see it as a necessary conversation more so about racism instead of just the judiciary system just racism in the united states and um many white parents are saying that it teaches white children to hate themselves and i can't possibly see how they came to that conclusion um considering that most uh, of the people who want this want them to talk about just racism in general in the United States and how it um, has come to be and then also possibly touch on the judiciary system as well. So I think that's what people are seeing. And a lot of people talking about it have no idea what it is, no what it even is. You know, they don't know. Um, so that's the whole thing. And I think um, a lot of it has to do with what they have termed it as white fragility. You know, we did a whole podcast on it. So if you guys, if you're listening, you can look it up in our podcast list. And if you don't know what white fragility is, it's defined as, and I quote, discomfort and defensiveness on the part of a white person when confronted by information about racial inequality and injustice. We often see it when we say the word white to a Caucasian person and they say we're being racist as if white is a racial slur. We can't even say white person, oh, you're racist. No, <laughs> we're talking about white people. And we, when we're saying white people also, um, and we're talking in a sense of race, usually most black people are talking about racist white people, not all white people, but people where it hits them, you know, they say I hit dog, dog, holler, usually you have some guilt there. So, exactly. you know, I exactly. said what I said, so <laughs> take it as it is. It's usually you got hit, you know, you just hit dog at that moment. So know that we're, we're not talking about you. For instance, if you were talking about thieves and crooks, I'm, I'm not assuming you're talking about me, you know, because I'm not that person. So right. um, it's, it's that way. Now, but though we still need a curriculum. Now we have the 1619 Project, which was beautifully done. And many states are banning the teaching of that project, which is a documentary produced by Dr. Nicole Hannah-Jones and the New York, New York Times. And it commemorates the 400 year anniversary, anniversary of the arrival of the first 20 enslaved African-Americans who were sold into slavery on the shores of Virginia, where I happen to be right now on location. Um, in addition, just a week ago, just a week ago, the Texas Senate passed a bill that removes the requirement to teach that the Ku Klux Klan, which I remind you is a terrorist group, teaches that teachers cannot teach that this group is morally wrong. The Senate passed a bill to make this a law, all right? It hasn't been made into a law yet, but they have the bill. Now, my question is, why are these politicians running scared of factual history? Why are they running from their own history? What do you think? Well, and it's interesting because my father, my dad and I, we talk about this. We talk, we talk a lot about this. And he's the one who taught me about African-American history or about history in general. Um, but he says his explanation is because they know that their time is coming to an end. They know that their reign of terror is coming to an end. So right now they are pulling at every single straw. They are grasping. They are trying to hold on to power. They don't understand or they don't, they don't know what it will look like if they're no longer in power. And so if they're constantly being exposed, then they're in jeopardy of having their power erode. One of the main things, and this is again, um, based upon discussions that I've had with my father and other older relatives um, in my family, 
the fear is they will be treated the way they have treated other minority groups, in particular African-Americans, um, which that's really not what most of us are even thinking about. We just want equity. We want equality. We want people to understand our history and we want it to be taught. So it's their fear that is controlling them right now. And it's sad. It's really, really sad because there is so much that they can gain and benefit just as just like there is so much we gain and we benefit when we study other people's histories and cultures. So exactly. You know, all cultures are beautiful. They all have their own you know, parts that we can relate to. Everyone wants the same things. They want their children to thrive. They want to thrive. Even everything down to like our rituals, a lot of times are very similar. You can find more alike than different is what I found out from traveling the world, like from weddings and just go on and on. Um, we all want the same things. We want our children to thrive. We want to thrive. Um, but the fact that they want to teach children alternate facts, you know, keep the positivity in their history and run from the negativity. How does this affect black students specifically? It's traumatizing. It creates a trauma. First of all, when, when I was in elementary school, I just dated back then. I read and I love history. Like I said, my father would have us watch documentaries and I was the main one who was like, oh, yes, I want to watch it. But when we got to talking about black people in our history class, I can still remember being in fifth grade and reading about slavery. And I was ashamed. I was absolutely ashamed of having to read aloud about slavery in front of the other students in class. I was so ashamed of that of that history. And I was very ashamed every time we would study history in school. It was always about slavery. It was always about struggle. It was always about the negative parts of history. And um, it just, it, it traumatizes the student. I was, I was traumatized. And I was someone who I love history. So I, I think the only for me what combated that was knowing that that wasn't all of our history. Um, like I said, my father was about teaching us about about black history. He was. Um, and he did it in a way where it was very interesting. I knew about Booker T. Washington and Tuskegee University long before HBCUs were popular, long before A Different World came out. I knew about that as a kid because my father always talked about how his father heard Booker T. Washington speak when he was a student at Lane College. And then he would tell me how that's why his sister went to Tuskegee University. So there were just so many things that about history that I loved, but I loved getting it from my dad and then I, but I hated being in elementary school and and feeling really ashamed, just just ashamed of that part of, of history because it wasn't taught with any type of um, sensitivity. It was more, the way it was taught to us were economically, 
the plantation owners needed the slaves. You know, it was a business. So we were basically a, a commodity. Yes, um, we were a commodity. We, 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 know, basically, we, we, we were. <laughs> right. We didn't learn any of the stories about the people who were enslaved. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I really think it's just it's traumatizing for our children. And when you learn about the, the narratives of the slaves, um, like Zora Neale Hurston, she has um, a great narrative to read. Um, you actually learn about the negativity of American history. Now we can be patriotic, we can celebrate founding fathers and what they did with you know, the Declaration of Independence. But we also have to talk about the flip side of that, mm -hmm. you know, Thomas Jefferson. And we need to talk about that. You know? yes. Yes. Um, so, but they're running from that part of American history and it needs to be talked about. Um, it has to be age appropriate, we don't want to teach this to second graders necessarily, <laughs> but there are things that second graders can learn that won't be um, not appropriate for their age and ways that we can teach things that um, will not hurt other children. You know, like white children or hurt their self-esteem. They need to know. And, and the proof is that once children, all children know about it, they work to prevent racism and systemic racism. Right. So. Yeah it actually turns out to be a positive and not a negative. This this past school year, um, that was one of the things that my parents who brought their children, they, def they wanted them to be exposed to African-American history. And so one of my little girls, she actually loves history. So she got to learn about um, Shirley Chisholm, Sojourner Truth, of course, Harriet Tubman, and she loved it. It wasn't, it was not about, oh my God, I hate white people now. It was, she was like, oh, wow, she did that. She was able to, oh, and then she went back and helped more people. And she, she would always refer to Sojourner Truth whenever we would talk about her. She was like, ain't I a woman too? And she remembered those things. And so is so important for children. Like you said, it, it has to be age appropriate and it has to be taught. You're teaching them factual information. You're not being biased about it. You're not like trying to get them to hate another race. You're just pointing out the fact that this is the time period in which they lived and these are the things that they were able to accomplish within that time period. And it, it can have a very positive effect. She actually received an award at the end of the school year for, um, for history. And she is so excited. <laughs> that is fantastic. Congratulations for that. That gets children excited for life. So those awards and things like that. Now, let's talk about New Hampshire a little bit. If you're in New Hampshire, here's a bone that they're throwing. Uh, they're saying that teachers can discuss racism and slavery in class, but parents can opt out from these objectionable, objectionable lessons. The law is called right to freedom from discrimination in public workplaces and education. What are they running from, really? Can you comment on this, please? It, you know, it's 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 similar to back in the um, 60s or 70s and people were um, protesting against affirmative action. 
and hollering. It's reverse discrimination. It's reverse discrimination. It's when you're a student of history and you study history, you know, this has all happened before. We have been here before. We have seen this before. They're grasping. They're pulling at straws. Now, did that actually, is that a bill or did it actually become, did it pass the legislature? Is it a, it has it been signed into law or are they still debating it? Well, they're still debating this one, but it looks like it's going to go through. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, but it is a bill at this point. It's just the fear. They really are afraid. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they're so afraid of, of, you know, the truth being taught. It, it's not like you were there. Why are you? <laughs> it's the boogeyman um, type of, of scare people so that we can stay in power. That's all I can see. Um, we all, like you said, we want is equity, not even equality necessarily in the sense of um, we don't need to be like you. <laughs> we like our culture. We like our things <laughs> and we like being with each other. These sort of things, it's fine. You know, our culture is our culture. We're not even talking about skin color here, just so to be clear for people who aren't in the culture. And they don't understand that when we say black, black is more than skin color because we come from the whitest of whites to the blackest of blacks. So yeah. we are more than our skin. We have developed a whole new culture from the whole diaspora and being here in America. So when we say black, it's deeper than what most people on the outside of the culture can even see. Um, but let's get into the article a little bit because Kimberly wrote a wonderful article, which is live now on our website. And I'll tell you about it later and how to find it. But I always say that parents are the primary teachers of their children, not the teacher at school. The teacher at school is your assistant that yes. this is our job to teach black history to our children in the home. So what are some of those ways that black parents specifically can teach African-American history at home? But I also want to touch on, we have a great following of white parents who are, that have black children that are either adopted or foster kids. So they're also looking of, of ways to teach this subject at home. Can you give us some examples? Yes. And I'm really glad that you pointed out the fact that there are um, parents who've adopted black children. So, um, one of the ways that I brought up in, in my article was for families to allow their children to do like family history projects, where that's a great segue into learning about history is you start interviewing different people in your family and, and finding out about them. And then you're, the children are actually able to place them in the context of history. So for example, I had students this year that did um, their family history. And when they were interviewing like their grandparents and, um, and aunts and uncles, they learned that their grandfather had um, fought in the Vietnam War. So that's learning about the Vietnam War was introduced to them. They learned that um, one of their aunts was actually at the airport on 9-11. And she talked about how all of the security measures um, had, you know, immediately had to change. And she, now she was at the airport in Los Angeles, not in New York. And, and so that was learning about 9-11. And so just 
that is one way that children get to see how their family members who are African-American were actually a part of history. Um, for, for those who have adopted Black children, now some of the things that I would recommend is getting some, some books that were written by um, African-American authors. Now, sometimes that can be a little tricky and a little hard to find, but they are definitely out there um, and finding out about those, you know, certain stories. Um, I, I, I want to caution um, parents against simply going to the usual go to um, historical figures. Now, of course, Definitely teach them about Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass. Yes, absolutely. But also broaden that scope because there are so many others that made contributions. One of the, the biggest ways that I find is know what your child is interested in. So for example, my son was very interested in animals. And so you may be thinking, okay, he's interested in animals, but what does that have to do with history? Well, finding out African-Americans who were zoologists or veterinarians or those who um, worked with animals in various capacities throughout history, that's, that's just one way to um, bridge the gap between their interest in history. So I always believe that I can turn anything into a history lesson. If a student tells me, well, I'm really into gaming. Okay, well, let's find out who was the first person that built a game. So you can build that around African-American history. Who was the first African-American to create a game? Um, just as I spoke earlier, there was an African-American who was instrumental or who built the first roller coaster. Um, and so those are just various ways in which we as parents and even parents who have adopted Black children, those are ways in which they can really get students or get their children into history without just simply using the usual go-to people. So, Right. And I, I just want to say this, you're absolutely right, because as a child, we had this very old passed down family Bible where the leather cover was coming off, but inside that Bible were birth dates that went back to the 1800s of family members and one, um, and a family tree. And one of those was my great grandmother who I met in the seventies while she was in a nursing home. She always said, well, she um, claimed to live to be 112 because she was born at home. So she didn't have a birth certificate. So no one could prove that she wasn't. But she said, I was born into slavery. And you go back and you do the math. You're like, no, not really. But then you know that slavery didn't necessarily end when they said it ended and that they didn't have any place to go. So basically she was still a slave. And then when she wasn't a slave, she was a sharecropper, basically slavery with not a living wage. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes. So, uh, yes. You know, and my mother was a, a, a sharecropper with her. So that wasn't that long ago. And I learned this history from um, my parents, my grandparents from that Bible. And then when I got older, I looked and I went to Ancestry.com and I found out that her dad was um, 
uh, in the, um, the armed forces for black people to get his family free from slavery, her father originally. And so I looked at all the, the, the paperwork, everything. I couldn't find anything past him because um, you hit a brick wall because slaves were listed as, and I should say enslaved people, but they were listed as property. They weren't on the census. So it's very difficult to find um, history when that side of the family were all, you know, all, enslaved. You know, yeah. So anyway, let's talk about this because this is we're getting, running out of time. And I want to thank you for those examples. And guys, if you want to see more examples, look at the article on our website and I'll give you the website at the end. But what is the most important thing that you want parents to know on this topic? Well, the most important thing is is exactly what you said at the beginning, that we are their teachers. When we send them to school, those people there, they assist us. They are, they are supplemental to, to what we are providing for them. And so some parents may say, well, I don't really know a lot about history myself. So how can I possibly teach them? This is a great opportunity for you to become educated as well. Um, and I'm a person who I love, I'm an, I'm an avid reader and I love to write, but I also love to watch movies and documentaries. And so everybody doesn't access information the same way. So if you're not a big, huge reader, there are so many documentaries, so many, um, um, biographical movies out there that you can watch and educate yourself. And sometimes when I'm watching these movies, what I'll do is um, I'll open up the computer and I want to see exactly how much of what I'm seeing in this movie is actually factual because of course, Hollywood has a, has a creative license. So they might add a few things to it. And so everything won't be 100% accurate if it's a movie, but it's, it's a great opportunity to at least get some information and then you Google search and get more information. Um, and, and you can find out if it's factual. So as parents, one, we have to educate ourselves and we have to make sure that we're the ones educating our children because they might end up with a teacher like one of those teachers that got fired in the states that you mentioned earlier, or like one of the teachers that I had to evaluate. And I was basically like, I don't even know where you're getting this information from. It's not even factual. So um, those teachers are still out there teaching children. Yeah, they are. And I was a teacher and I I, I knew of some. So um, yeah, yeah. So just so you know, guys, also to piggyback on that, Keep it age appropriate. And if you don't know where to start, I highly recommend the 1619 Project from the New York Times. Uh, and they have a curriculum that you can request. They do. It's being banned in a lot of the southern states oh, right now. But wow. you can request it. So ask for that. That's a good starting point. Uh, and you can go from there. And there are also books of all, for all ages from four books on up that will teach you about African-American history and not just Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, which they're great. You need to know about them, um, but you're not going to learn about someone like a Malcolm X in school. Kimberly, I want to thank you for coming on our show. Well, I, really I thank you for having me. 
I really do. And I th okay, and well. I'm so glad that you have this magazine um, for successful black parenting. That is mm -hmm. wonderful. That is awesome. And congratulations on on the magazine. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, if you guys want to learn more, you know, I mentioned earlier that Kimberly has a cover feature. It's actually on our cover for August, September, and it's live on our website right now. Her article is titled Teach African-American History at Home. So go and check that out at SuccessfulBlackParenting.com. And thank all of you for participating and listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. And don't forget to follow us. We're also on uh, Twitter. We're on Facebook as Black Parenting One. The only one we're different is, is Successful Black Parenting on Instagram. So check us out there. Follow us. We need more followers. Get your friends, family, everyone to come and follow us so that we can keep going so that we can get the advertisers that we need so that we also can thrive. Now, our website, which I gave you earlier, is full of great content to help you to thrive and not just survive as a parent. Um, be sure to rate our podcast if you're listening to it. It's available um, it's syndicated. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on all the major podcast sites. And until next time, I wish you the best and much success. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. We'll see you soon.